From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hello, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new roles as builders of communities and content aggregators. I'm really excited, as usual, today about a great guest that we're going to have from the big corporate world of the universe. Today I'll be talking about the future of social media and marketing, communications and technology with Christopher Barger, Director of Global Communications and Technology at General Motors. Chris is responsible for setting GM's communication strategy in the emerging social media that make up Web 2.0. As you all know, we've been talking about these things from blogs to wikis to podcasts to videocast to user-generated content, social network engagements, and other things that are coming up every day. His team coordinates and counsels authors for GM's corporate blogs, Fastlane and FYI, builds and manages GM's relationships with influential voices from across the social media landscape, and develops new social media resources for GM content and information. Chris, welcome to Market Edge. Larry, thank you very much for having me. Chris, you know, sort of the first question that, uh, you know, is a, it's sort of a big question, but it's a simple one, is did this all catch some of the big, big companies by surprise, this, this really, this, this fast-moving change of media landscape to a more conversation mode of social media and marketing? Or were companies like GM and, and you know, the General Electrics of the world watching this and, and knowing that it was going to develop into something important? I think many companies probably saw it coming and understood that that there was a the, a shift taking place. I think the speed of the shift perhaps caught a lot of people by surprise. It's one thing to see something coming down the highway and another thing to realize that it's happening as as fast or moving as fast as it is. And I think that speed has maybe caught a few people off guard. What's the um you know what are the you know advice to some of the people that are listening that haven't gotten as further as you have and we're going to go a little deeper into what you guys are doing but some advice on sort of those corporate communications people uh, that whose CEOs are saying hey we got to start we got to do something there's conversations happening out there they're talking about our products they're talking about our reputation what would be your advice on just sort of a play one you know sort of how do you start the playbook well the, the the first before you even before you even begin to execute plays the first thing that i would advise anybody is to understand that the social media space is not about the technologies of social media it's not about the fact that blogs exist or that podcasting or being able to up, you upload videos that's not what what's driving the growth in this space this is really about to what you just said this is about audience expectations of conversation. It, it, it's the, the idea that 
I don't just want to hear from a corporation or a government or an organization anymore. I want to be able to respond back. If I see an article in, in a newspaper or online, I want to be able to respond back, and I want the community to be able to interact and engage with me, not just the traditional gatekeepers anymore. So if you start looking at this as just another channel to communicate, because this is where eyes are, without understanding the dynamic shift behind it, you're going to have probably a few missteps. Once you've done that, once you, once you understand what's, what's, what this is really all about, the first step before you do anything else is I would just recommend go out and start, you know, do a Google search, go out and find who's writing about your industry, not just about your company or your brands, but find out what's, what's out there, who the influencers are. In an, in an environment where you could have you know, millions of blogs talking about your particular, or podcasts or whatever, talking about your particular brand or your industry, not everybody's going to be equally influential. Not everybody's going to be equally credible. So go out and learn the landscape before you do anything else. Then once you've learned what topics seem to be taken, you know, when, you, when somebody is very credible, what they write about, what seems to take off, what resonates with the community, you're going to have a better understanding of what your audience is looking for from your own sites. And then once you've, once you've gotten a, a, a feel of the landscape, the next piece of advice is understand that you, know, you have to... You have to earn credibility in this space, just like everybody else. You can't expect that if you build it, they will come. You know, oh, well, I'm, I'm my big company, and so I'm going to build this blog, and all of a sudden I'm going to have a whole, you know, tens of thousands or twenty of thousands of people coming in and reading and commenting, and I'm just going to build it, and it's going to take off. In the blogosphere, all, you know, all fields are equal. And you, Larry, as an individual, have just as much credibility and just as much say or pull as I have as a representative of General Motors. So if I want to start landing and resonating with the audience, then I've got to earn my credibility by going out and having repeated conversations and, and you know, having frequent posts, being able to interact with the audience when they respond back. If I write something and, and people have begun to comment and, and come back and ask me questions, I better be in there answering. And you know, just sort of recognizing that your posts have to be, for lack of a better way of putting it, real people speak. You know, the, the, the blogosphere sort of prides itself on, on poking holes in, in stupid PR tricks. They don't want to be spun. They don't want messaging. They want you to talk to them as if you were their neighbor that you happen to catch across the driveway and talk like a real person, talk about real things, be candid, be open. If you're looking at this as, I'm just going to use my blog or my podcast to do corporate messaging, you're going to make a mistake. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I like to use the word authenticity. I mean, you know, it's just how do you going to, you, you've got to be authentic. You have to be transparent. And for people to respect your portion of the dialogue. And that's, that's authenticity is a key word, and dialogue is the other, the other half of that is the, is the key word. Again, this isn't about just me providing General Motors' point of view into the blogosphere and trying to get that to pervade. This really is a dialogue. What does the audience want? What does the audience think about what we're doing or what we've just said? Do we respond to them? How do, how do they like what we have to say? And I don't mean that you have to give them the answers that they want. This isn't a, a case of just you know, kissing, kissing fannies in the, in the blogosphere and, and giving people what they want. They don't expect you to give them the answers that they're looking for all the time. They just expect you to give them, give them answers. And so that, that dialogue, that back and forth becomes very, very important. 
it's fascinating to me, uh, you know, and it's great to hear this, by the way, uh, that, you know, you use the words that this really isn't a channel. And you don't know how many times I've gotten from big company people and also agencies, mostly the paid media agencies, who say to me, well, this is just an alternative channel, another seat at the table, and we'll deal with it just like we deal with, you know, paid advertising on television or radio advertising or PR news releases. And I say nothing can be further from the truth. You've got to approach this as a whole different, you know, horizontal play. Uh, Your comments on that. I, I, I think I understand why that happens, why agencies and, and companies are particularly attracted to think of it in that way, because we've always been trained, you, know, you go where the audience is, and the, there's certainly a, a substantial audience in, in social media at this point. So I understand why there's sort of a flocking to it, but unfortunately you just sort of, you, you see a lot of, you know, follow the money, follow the, follow the audience. You don't have people really digging into it and understanding how to be successful. They just know that they have to be there. So whether you're an agency, whether you're a company or a nonprofit, your first responsibility isn't just to be there. It's to understand what you really hope to accomplish. It's to understand what your audience expects from you there. And, yes, this sounds like basic communications, but you'd be surprised how many people don't, don't always do it. Hey, you know, um, as, as we, you look out, you know, especially in the blog sphere, as it starts to even get more sophisticated in self-editing, you know, a company like General Motors has got to be mentioned on a daily basis in, oh my gosh, um, you know, thousands of times, uh, yep. from maybe, from maybe safety, uh, blogs all the way to, you know, more fun things like design and, and performance and, uh, you know, uh, how much I love my 65 Corvette <laughs> or things like that. How do you even start to organize and observe and, you know, and, and try to understand and prioritize because you can't be at every party uh, in a digital <laughs> world that's really bigger than the real world. Um, you know, how do you how do you really start to prioritize in a world like that, Chris? Well, the, the first the first answer to that question is to recognize that you're never going to be able to completely get everything. You know, there will always be sites that you aren't aware of or things that pop up that you just that weren't on your radar. The idea that you can automatically just get your arms around everything is 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 a fallacy, and, and you're deluding yourself if if you think that's where you're going to go. Right. Now that said, there are a lot of things that you can do uh, using Technorati or Alexa ratings to see you know who's who's re- who's being read the most based on uh, you know on 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 that per- particular topic that you're that you're researching. Um, but I, I want to caution that it's not always about the number of readers that makes a blog influential. Because the, 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 the really defining part of a blog is the community, community interaction. So if you've got a, a blog with 200,000 readers, but maybe two or three comments go on, and that's really all that happens, or there's a lot of posts with zero comments, you don't really have a very active community. On the other hand, you can have another blog with 20,000 readers or even 2,000 readers. And that audience is going in and interacting not only with the author, but with each other. And they're, they've got a very active community that's developed. That community is going to be more influential with each other, and that author is going to be more influential with, with their community than the people with the bigger readers. So quite frankly, you know, if, I'm, if, if the eventual goal of engaging, you know, not directly but eventually, is that you hope you've improved or, or burnished your reputation and that people eventually consider buying your product, well, I would rather go for 
somebody with a smaller readership but who's who's got that influence and is going to be able to convince 30 or 40 people that maybe yeah you should go buy this car you should at least look at it then i would go to a a big blog whose readers aren't that engaged and whose readers frankly aren't that invested in 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 the opinion of that author so you know there are things that you can do to to sort of monitor from a numbers standpoint and to try to identify who's being read but you also got to look at the small ones and, and realize that the community aspect is really what drives influence out here. And do you like do, do you often look at it though, um, like I was insinuating, you know, maybe from a more issues point of view? Is there, you know, is there like you know, again, like safety might be one. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the green movement that wants to know, gee, GM, what kind of cars are you working on that are, you know, gonna, you know. You know, save me money at the at the gas pump. You know, then design or or is that not the way to sort of try to at least granulize uh, some of the way we corporations look at uh, social media? Actually, I think you're you're absolutely right. You can't. I mean, sure, we do searches by brand. You know, we've got we've got monitoring going on for for you know blogs that talk about Chevrolet or blogs that talk about Buick or Pontiac. But you're absolutely right. You. The influence that you're really trying to have isn't necessarily people who are already going to be writing about you. It's going to be people who are interested in a particular topic. If there's a design conversation going on and it's not involving GM, I need to go out there and find out where it is so that maybe next time it, you know, their conversation will involve General Motors and the design of our vehicles. If there's an environmental conversation going on, then it's obviously very important to me to make sure that we're aware of what's being said, that we're joining the conversation, that we are presenting you know our our point of view or our perspective on on what's being said and all you know on the other on the other side we're also learning from what's being said in those conversations and that's a, a big element to this too you know you you can't just look at this as an opportunity to educate or inform this is an opportunity to learn from those communities and and take you know take what you can from the questions comments and 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 feedback that you get from them so yeah, you do want to definitely be looking by the subject matter that you're that you're really interested in, not just your brand, not just your organization or your company. Go out and find the communities that just talk about this stuff. You know, when you when you think of who your target buyer is, you know, what are they going to be interested in? Are they always going to be mentioning your brand, or do they just have specific? You know, if you if you've got a vehicle that's that's, you know, maybe target not targeted, but uh, you know, where your 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 core customer is going to be a mom. Well, what do moms talk about? You should go out and be finding the parenting blogs. You should be finding the safety blogs. They're not always going to be talking about GM, but they are going to be talking about things that matter to them, and those are the conversations you have to find and, and make yourself a part of. Well, yeah, and you know that's and it's so hard for some companies. Uh, I have found to listen instead of just broadcast, you know, uh, their messages. But the opportunity to to learn from a research and analytic point of view, uh, to learn from these conversations, like you're saying, is is really uh, you know amazing. You know, for companies to find out, you know, like you say, what moms are really looking for, maybe in a van, you know, right. and, and and that maybe that we missed in our, you know, design process or something like that. And uh, that kind of information is just invaluable, I would imagine. Well, that information is absolutely critical, invaluable. You, you know, you, people pay focus groups lots of money to try and get the same kind of thing. Well, here you've got people who are offering it up for each other for free, so you can learn from that. But the other piece of this that's, that's very important is that 
you get we found anyway you get credit credit and and credibility from the audience for having gone out and listened in the first place it's not just what you can learn from them it's the fact that they see you listening and they they observe i'm not just in this community and 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 you know giving commentary out to tell them what general motors thinks i'm actually asking them questions and listening and they recognize that and so not only are we gleaning from their their collective knowledge but we get the benefit of, of them saying, you know what, GM's really actually out here, and they're talking to me like a real person, and they care about my opinion. You get the benefit reputation-wise in, in that sense as well. Boy, and the reputation equity a company gets from that is just uh, immense. Uh, we're going to take a short commercial break right now, but please stand by, and we'll be right back with our interesting conversation with Chris Barger from General Motors. So more conversation in a moment on Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah, GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Hello. Uh, Welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. SEO 101 is now in session. Today's topic is duplicate content. Today's topic is duplicate content. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) You jagdork. Uh, (laughs) It just needed to be done. I'm sorry. (laughs) New episodes Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And check out their live broadcast Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Get clicked, covered, and ringed on. All week long on WebmasterRadio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber. And I'm here today with Chris Barger, Director of Global Communications and Technology at General Motors. And I'd have to tell you, audience, that I think General Motors is 
one of the leaders in uh, uh, exploring and understanding the uh, amazing impact that social media is having on reputation and actual uh, selling and uh, uh, the relationship with customers. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, uh, one thing you could share with uh, with our listeners is maybe some specific things you're doing that you think are particularly getting traction uh, for General Motors uh, in social media, just so that maybe uh, the audience can get a picture of, uh, of, of, of sort of programmatic things that are working, sure. uh, not, not just sort of the philosophical direction. <laughs> Absolutely. We've kind of had over the course of the development of our program sort of four different thrusts and and each of them have been influential or or effective in their own way the first thing we did of course uh, three years ago was to start up our own blogs the Fastlane and FYI blogs and just go out to begin to have these kind of conversations be able to talk directly to an audience rather than going through traditional gatekeepers be able to hear back from them and so on establishing your own blog and establishing its credibility by being willing to take on tough subjects or answer tough questions is a great start because it sort of buys you entrance into the conversation. If you're trying to do other things later on, people will be able to go back and go, okay, I've, I've seen your blog. You do, you're not just corporate messaging at me. You do have a conversation. I'm willing to trust you. So that step one is just establish your own presence. What we started doing about a year and a half ago, step two, is recognizing, okay, you know, we can go out and, and say what we want and talk as, as openly and candidly as we want on our blog, but that still requires people to come to a GM site. It still repeat, requires people to come to our house. And meanwhile, there are all these other conversations going on. There are all these automotive bloggers, you know, people who just love cars who are out talking about the automotive industry. There are obviously green bloggers who, who are interested in, in the environmental impact of the automobile. There are parenting blogs. There are all these conversations happening out there. It's important for us to start bringing them into what we do, not just us talking out. So we've begun inviting, you know, when we've got a, a media program going on around you know, the Detroit Auto Show or the Los Angeles Auto Show, whether it's a, a drive event when we're launching a vehicle like we did with the Chevy Malibu during the past fall, along with the media wave, along with bringing in your traditionals, you know, the, the, the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post and, and Road and Track and Car and Driver, you're also bringing in somebody who writes for autoblog.com and somebody who writes for topspeed.com and giving them the opportunity to, is it, rather than just you know tell me, it's show me. Okay, if you're going to tell me that you have a great car, let me get in it. Let me drive. Let me see what everything, everybody else is saying. Bring the social media into what you're doing and, and to, into your world and give them the opportunity to tell the story in their own words. And, and this is very important. What we tell bloggers when we bring them in is I'm not telling you that you have to write. I'm not telling you that you need to write anything positive. I'm bringing you here to experience the show, experience our vehicles, and I think you're going to be favorably impressed. But if, if you choose to be critical or if you choose to not write anything at all, that's your choice. I'm not trying to buy influence here. I just want you to see. I want you to experience. That seems to go very well. If they feel like there's a, a quid pro quo or if they feel like they're going to be expected, okay, well, they, they brought me in and they gave me access to somebody and, and I got to do an interview, and now they're going to expect me to write about, you know, write about it in the way that they want me to write, that might not go over so well. So you sort of have to realize, you know, the difference between a paid journalist or a traditional journalist and bloggers is that for the, for the, for the traditional journalist, it's their job. They have to write. It's what they do. They write stories. They find stories. That's, that's their job. A blogger doesn't have to. A blogger is doing this stuff mostly because it's their choice, and they are passionate about this stuff, and they want to do this. 
Now, the difference is if you, if you go to a traditional outlet and, and give them access or give them an interview or put them in a car, their job is going to be to write about it. You pretty much are going to get a story, whether it's a good or bad one. A blogger could come in, and if they don't see anything that makes them, motivates them to write, they're not going to. And you have to sort of expect that or understand that going in. We found that to be tremendously successful. We've, we started with a handful at the Los Angeles show in 2006. I think we brought in about 12 bloggers. Uh, as an example of how far that's gone, uh, the, the Detroit show in 2008, just this past January, we had a crew of 38 uh, you know, who had come in from all over the spectrum, from automotive blogs to parenting to environmental to design to the sort of lifestyle guys, you know, think think like Maxim Magazine, the people who write blogs that sort of focus on that kind of that kind of content, just brought them in from all over the spectrum and had them be part of it. Now, what was exciting for me is that, you know, my, my, I personally joined General Motors in, in May of, or excuse me, March of 2007. When we did the, uh, the New York show, my first auto show in, in March of 2007, we were pretty much going around inside the company and saying, will you please, talking to executives or, or brands, so will you please spend some time with our bloggers? Please come in and, and just give them a few minutes of your time. We would really appreciate it. When the planning was going on for Detroit, we had people from across the company, including all the way up to our chairman, Rick Wagner, call, you know, the, the office is calling us up and saying, okay, when can we sit down with these guys? We understand that they're important. We understand that we need to be reaching out to them as much as we reach out to anybody else, so you tell us when you need us and we'll be there which was a fantastic recognition, I think, from a company-wide level, just of how influential these guys are and just how much good you can get from engaging them. So that's part two of the four-step process. The third part, and I think one that, that can tend to be overlooked because the, the ROI is very indirect, is to start finding what these communities are doing on their own and in their own spaces. Rather than, you, I'm going to bring you into General Motors' world, I'm going to go out into your world, find the events that you're doing, and figure out how I can help you. One example of this would be, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Manic Mommies podcast, which is yes, one of the, the, yes, the top. Yeah. They, are, uh, you know, they do fantastic work. We love their show. And when we learned last fall that they were going, they were going to do what they were calling their escape weekend, they just thought, you know, let's see how many of our listeners will... will you know, take the trip up to Newport, Rhode Island, and we'll have a few parenting seminars or a few cooking seminars. We'll give our listeners a chance to just sort of take a tour of the Newport mansions, maybe go shopping, get a, get a, go to a spa, just get away from life for a weekend. Well, we learned about this. We said, all right, let's, let's see what we can do to help. We contacted the mommies and said, all right, we'll, we'll provide you vehicles. You know, if, they, if, they, if your guests want to go shopping... We'll, we'll put them in a vehicle and let them drive the vehicle to go shopping. If they want to take a tour of Newport, we'll map out a driver out for them, and we'll help them go do what they want to do. Um, we will, you know, we'll, we'll do a mild sponsorship so that you can have a breakfast on Saturday morning when, when this whole thing is going on. But the idea is not to go in there and give you General Motors messaging. The idea is not even to sit there and give you the talking points on a particular vehicle. The idea is, okay, we understand what you're doing for your audience, and we want to help you. And... You know, that's, that's a very indirect ROI, and it's a little hard to quantify what kind of benefit you get out of it. But the, the two women who are behind the Manic Mommies podcast were kind enough to do a survey both before and after the event for their audience. And when they asked before the event, would you consider buying a GM vehicle versus after the event, now after the event's over, would you consider buying a GM vehicle, the number almost tripled. 
Wow. So you just, you just look at this and go, okay, they recognize we're not going in there and giving them a hard sell. We weren't going in there trying to get them to buy a car or truck today or anything like that. It was just sort of, I recognize what you're doing. I want to help you. Let's see how this works. And I've you know, since talked to a number of the people that were at that event, and we're making some sales out of it. And you, you, you know, even even Kristen, the 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 uh, one of the hosts and one of the one of the manic mommies herself, has said her her husband now is as whenever he's talking about the next time they buy a car, every time he sees a Buick Enclave, he keeps pointing. You know, there's there's our new car. You know, they're not in the market for a while, but they're eventually going to be in a market, and he's already sold because he got a chance to be in the car during that weekend. So yeah, it's indirect. You're not going to be able to look at it and go, okay, we sold X amount of widgets because of this event, but you do have to sort of recognize sales is a process. Just like with, with any other industry, you don't walk into the office with your client and make a sale today. You know, you go through a process, you take them, take them to dinner, you do presentations, you go to a golf game, and there's very few sales managers who are looking at their salespeople going, what's the ROI on that golf game that you just went out to? They understand that you have to go through the process and get people to consider your product before they actually buy it. And that's what we can do with, with events like the Mommies event. We're not directly selling, but we are furthering the process and getting you to consider it. And then there are, different, there are going to be different channels when you're ready to buy. So that's the, the third kind of element very soft sell and, and very aid the community. And if you let them do what they want to do or help them do what they want to do, you're going to reap indirect benefit from it. And then the fourth thing that we're doing, and it's been both the most challenging and most, most rewarding piece of, of this for me, as I've learned in my job, is what we've just started doing on our, on our GM Next website, which is pretty much facilitate conversations about the subjects that your audience is interested in but not just from your perspective. You know, on, on the GM Next website, we've had several conversations now about environmental issues. And yeah, we've had some GM engineers or GM executives take part in those conversations, but we had also have had outside people, you know, not, not just people who are going to be uh, favorable to you, but frankly, we've, we've asked for and received content from Chris Payne, who directed the movie Who Killed the Electric Car, which was pretty much a slam on us. We understand that the audience wants to hear about issues. We understand that they want other perspectives, not just ours. But we feel like if we facilitate this dialogue and if we don't run from tough questions, we're going to get credibility. We're going to get people to actually say, you know what, all right, they did have Chris Payne in. They did invite members of the Rainforest Action Network into their conversation and tried to answer as many questions as possible. Maybe they are serious. Maybe we will listen to them or give them the benefit of the doubt when they say that they're developing the Chevrolet Volt and that it should be out you know, within a couple of years. That kind of credibility is not going to happen if you don't engage and if you don't, you know, frankly, show yourself to be willing to, to answer the tough questions or at least enter the conversation. I think that might be one of the more promising things that we have coming up is, is just, all right, let's facilitate as much dialogue. If you, if you want to talk about design, all right, I'll bring in not only some of the guys who design GM vehicles, but we'll bring in architects. We'll bring in, you know, somebody who designs, you know, in, who does interior design, somebody who's going to be able to talk, to talk to the design community all about just stuff that they care about, whether it affects, whether it's directly involving GM or not. Having those conversations, hosting them, facilitating them is going to pay dividends, I think. And I think we're already seeing that, quite frankly. That's great, and, and great content there. You're also, 
you know, it's lucky too to have great guys like Rick uh, Wagner, one of the best CEOs in the in the country. He was in my first book, Rick, and uh, and Steve Harris, uh, forward thinking and and open about this. But I, our time is starting to run out. But I'd still like to ask you a, a, a sort of visionary question, Chris. You know, as as I look out in the media landscape, I'm still sort of perplexed that big PR firms are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to influence shrinking newspapers we have for the first time in america no newspaper over two million in paid circulation yet we have fifty blogs over two million in participation in the world as chris barger looks out the next five to ten years is there a tipping point when sort of digital and social media take over the main uh... crux of reputation uh... for a corporation or are we already there i think in in a lot of ways we may already be there, and that's that's something that a lot of, of people in the traditional communications or PR marketing world, you know, that, that's a scary thing for us to acknowledge um, because it, it means that we have so much little, less control than we used to. I think in a lot of ways we're already there. I will say that I don't think in five or ten years or anything, you know, no new technology has ever completely erased what came before it. You know, Internet did not replace TV completely when, when Internet 1.0 came out. Television did not completely replace radio. Radio did not completely replace newspapers. Every medium has always had to make adjustments to the new reality, but they've continued to succeed and continue to thrive. I don't think newspapers are going to go away. I don't think traditional channels are ever going to go away. But what PR agencies and, and, and companies are going to have to acknowledge is they may not always be the primary vehicle anymore. They may be the you know the channel to get news out or information out but to actually engage and contact and and converse with your audiences you may be better off going out to the blogs than you are necessarily going to do sit your ceo down for an interview with with a major newspaper that kind of shift or, or recognizing the resources maybe need to go a little bit more toward the online world i think will will happen but i don't think everything will all completely go away i don't i'm, I'm not one of these people who who are you know, going to just jump on the bandwagon and say social media is going to replace everything, because at the end of the day, there is room for expertise, uh, or not expertise, but there is there is room for sort of the the professional source. I don't I don't think that goes away. I just think the the emphasis maybe shifts a little bit more toward the online reputation piece of it. Now, when I said at the beginning of the question that I think maybe we are already there. I th in, in terms of news, it still focuses a bit, or information, it focuses a bit on the, the traditional sources. In terms of reputation, I think it's absolutely already online and in the social and peer-to-peer -peer networks where reputation is, is, is now formed and enhanced or, or harmed, frankly, if you're doing the wrong things. Chris, I always end the, the conversation asking with very short answer. Do you have a favorite site that you'd like to share with people other than the ones at GM that you've found <laughs> uh, having fun and might share with uh, our listeners just to go to? Oh, gosh, I have to pick just one. Um, Maybe you could have a couple if you want. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a tough question, for, and only because there are so many different areas that we focus on. Well, how about, um, how about this? How about a, a, a you know a social media uh, destination that's from another corporation, whether it be in the automotive or not, got, that you gotcha. think's doing a good job? Sure, I think from a blogging standpoint, I very much like what Southwest Airlines does. Uh, I think their their blogs are very much worth checking into. 
from a podcasting standpoint, I think Whirlpool is about as good as it gets. Um, I like what Coca-Cola has done with, um, you know, with a sort of adopting user-generated content. You know, when, you, when your brand is your most protected asset and people start putting up videos, you know, if you think of the Coke and Mentos thing, if people start putting up videos that use your brand in a way that you wouldn't have thought of, that can be a scary thing. And yet Coke recognized, oh, this actually can be an asset for us. And they started helping the people who were putting those videos up do what they did. I think checking into those videos, both on Coca-Cola's site and on YouTube, is very much worth doing. Um, from a from a social media standpoint, who to read or who to look at, I, I think um, Shell Holtz and Neville Hobson, who do For Immediate Release, uh, For Immediate Release Biz, I believe, they have their fingers on what's going on probably as well as anybody. And I I listen to their podcast and read their site as as frequently as I can. They they. If you, know, if you were looking for who who knows where things are going or who understands who really gets this stuff, I think those two are at the top of their game. Hey, Chris, our time went so fast. I want to thank Chris Barger, Director of Global Communications and Technology at General Motors, and a real first mover in all this. Chris, thanks for joining Market Edge today. Larry, thank you very much for the opportunity. Have a great day. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's Market Edge conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time at webmasterradio.fm for another great conversation at Market Edge. Hey, Chris. Yes. Thanks a million. That was terrific. Um, What you're doing sounds fascinating, and I'm going to try to make it a point in the next couple months.